Welcome to the CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today from Episode 6, Suzanne Miller, who's an admissions counselor at SUNY Geneseo. And from Episode 15, I welcome back Kate Anderson, who's the Assistant Director of Admissions at SUNY Oswego. Today, we have a special episode specific to the common application. So ladies, let's get right to it with question number one. Most students use the common app when applying to college, which I read has over 900 participating schools. Can you explain what the common app is and why it is so beneficial for students to use? Kate, welcome to the show. Let's start with you on this question. Thanks so much, John. Great to be back. Well, the common application, it's been around since 1975. It was started by a group of 15 private colleges, including my alma mater, Amherst College. I think they thought this would be a great way to streamline the process for college applicants rather than, well, think about it, 1975, uh, people were still typing (laughs) applications, but why not type it once and not, you know, 10 times if you're applying to 10 schools. So yes, now here we are. It's, it's They're coming up pretty soon, a few years on their 50th birthday. I went to their website. They have more than 950 member schools now. So in all 50 states in the United States, of course, Washington, D.C., uh, Canada, Japan, uh, China, lots of countries in Europe. So this is really used worldwide for students who apply to, to colleges in the United States. Uh, and you fill out that information once, you save a lot of time. My good friend and admissions expert, Suzanne Miller, has a great <laughs> analogy about the common application. I've heard her say, think of it like a tree. And the tree has a trunk, right? And that's the main part of the tree. But then trees have branches and those branches have little offshoots. And so by filling out that information, you're, you're getting the trunk of the tree and then uh, th- then you have the college has one college has a particular question that's one branch and yes you're going to fill out that information as needed but you really save yourself so much so much time so it's it's really a a great resource for students well thank you so much for that introduction i was not aware that it actually was originated in 1975 with just 15 colleges and you think about how many students apply to 15 12 maybe even more colleges at one time so it's interesting how it has evolved and now representing over 950 schools so kate Thank you so much for that introduction. We really appreciate it. And Suzanne, let me ask you, when opening a Common App account, which opens each year, by the way, on August 1st for the new cycle of applications, we have heard throughout the episodes on the podcast the advice that students should create an email account for the college process that they intend to check regularly so that they aren't missing any important messages. Suzanne, what other materials or information should the students have with them so that they are prepared to complete each section of the Common Application? Sure. Well, the Common App has a combination of demographic information about each student as well as creative pieces. So to start, make sure students obviously know their home address and phone number. But some other information that trips them up sometimes is the Common App also asks for their parents' educational background, where they went to college, when they graduated from college, what types of degrees they've earned. Uh, And that information is important for us to know the type of environment that students come from. So that is information that often trips them up. Also, students have to 
enter in all of the different educational institutions they've attended. Sometimes students have transferred high schools. Sometimes students have attended dual enrollment uh, courses while in high school. They're getting college credit. They need to have that information. So there are there's a lot of information that they need to gather beforehand. But don't worry, because once students create their accounts, they can fill in the information as they have it. So if they get to one section, they don't know the information, they can log out of their account, everything's saved, go back, ask you know, their parent or guardian for that information or ask for some help or go to their school counselor to find out. It often will ask for the size of the graduating class, what their high school GPA is. They might not have that information right away. That's okay. They can always go back and fill it in later. So there are a lot of different sections. As Kate mentioned, my tree analogy, that central piece, we've got the biological, geographic information, where you were born, what your citizenship is, your educational background. It's going to ask for your list of activities Don't feel pressured to fill that out right away. We're going to get to that later. You want to make sure you proofread everything before you write, um, you know, you type everything in. So it's okay to create that account, look through it, you take your time. Uh, There's so many different features within the Common App. There is a college search uh, function. So just say, you know, I really thought about going to college in California. I wonder what colleges there are. So students can search for all colleges in California and see all the different colleges that the Common App accepts. There is um, There are financial aid resources as well because college is expensive. And we are in this, in this field, we're always encouraging students to seek out ways to fund their education through um, financial aid and scholarships. So there are a lot of pieces to this common app, but just know that slowly and carefully is the way to go through it. And just one more bit about you know pushing for that new email address. Just a reminder, create a new email address that kind of sounds um, professional in a way, not silly. Like I know that a lot of kids will have maybe created their first email addresses when they were you know in elementary school and it might be like, SpongeBob's biggest fan at AOL.com. You know, we want something that sounds somewhat mature. Uh, also, because you don't want to get any important messages buried uh, in the inbox. You know, when that email address is sacred. Create a new email address so you know everything that comes into that email address is is for the college search. Um, Oh, also a couple other, one other section of the Common App that I really should mention is the testing. There is a a place to put in your testing information. There's all this talk about test optional, test blind institutions. It's really up to you if you'd like to report your test scores. Some schools who uh, either require test scores or maybe you did well and you would like to report them will take those self-reported tests on your Common App. If you say you want to be test optional at that school, very often that testing information will be suppressed and will not show up at our end when we're reviewing the application. So it's really important that you gather the information about how each college uses that information before you submit if that makes sense. So, but there, but there is a place to self-report your, your, your test. And I mean, your SAT, your ACT, your AP scores, uh, any IB scores that you may have as well. 
So probably the most creative part of the Common App that students spend the most time on before putting in is the writing section. So the writing section has a space, 650 words for you to put in your college essay. And we will be talking more about the college essay later on, but that is a very important piece where we really hope students take time and care in crafting that. So that's a very important uh, place for you to really show your writing skills and tell your story. In addition to the essay, there's a space for additional information, if there's anything else you want to share. And there's also a space to write about any um, effects that the pandemic might have had on you and your family. So those are pieces that you can really craft in a separate document, make them how you want them to read, and then pop them in. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. And he's also a board certified dermatologist who received a perfect score on his SAT. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code College Talk, one word, just College Talk, and that'll give you 30% off all Prep Expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one on one tutoring packages. Make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made using our coupon code, which is College Talk, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. So whether you're preparing for the SAT, ACT, or need a one-on-one tutor, Prep Expert has the tools and expertise to help you. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, that's a great introduction and certainly very helpful. Thank you so much, Suzanne. We truly appreciate it. And let's go back to Kate. Kate, I wanted to ask, it sounds like the overall application is divided between academic and non-academic components. As an admissions counselor, when you first look at a student's transcript, which of course is the main piece of the academic portion of the application, what are you looking for and how do you evaluate whether or not the student is the right fit for your school? That's a great question, and you're absolutely right, John. The, the transcript is the most important piece. Interestingly, on the on the Common App, a college or university, it's a bit like a menu. You can say what you want your version of the Common App to look like. And so uh, we should mention that some schools do ask the students 
There's a section called courses and grades. We don't do this at Oswego, but some schools do. And, and this is going to take some time if the school that you're applying to has it, because you have to enter all the classes that you're taking senior year and also the grades you received in the classes you took in, in high school. Uh, but without a doubt, every college you apply to is going to ask for your high school transcript. And it's, uh, it's a, a page or two, sometimes it's two pages, and it shows the classes you chose to take. So how rigorous were those courses? What were the grades? What were those numbers? But how did those numbers change over time? Or were they consistently strong? Or did you start out strong and then trail off? Or did you gather steam and, and really start to do better? Of course, as I think we probably all talked about in our episodes, that COVID sometimes had an impact, right? And so uh, we understand that. But uh, students need to know that a lot of colleges will recalculate a grade point average. So the number that they think of as their GPA, that grade point average, may, we may be using a different number because we're focusing on those core courses, the English, math, social studies, science, and foreign language. Uh, you know, we'll see the classes you took. Some schools have, uh, you may be applying to a school out of state that requires a different number of years of math, for example. You know, New York State, uh, you don't need four years of high, of high school math, but in Massachusetts, you do. So these are important things to, to know. Um, there are some schools that if you're applying for a certain major, there are certain courses that you would have had to have. You know, maybe you have to make it through calculus or pre-calc is, is probably more common. Uh, but that transcript is is super important, and and that's really what we're we're looking at the choices you made, um, what those those grades were, uh, and of course, let's not forget that senior year matters, both your course selection <laughs> and sometimes we may ask for those senior year grades. Well, Kate, thank you so much for that overview regarding the transcript. And let's go back to Suzanne. Suzanne, let me ask you: Is the student's high school profile uploaded? through the Common App? And if so, can you give us an overview of what you are looking for when you're reviewing the high school profile? Sure. The high school profile is an incredibly important document, and it is typically uh, uploaded with the student's high school transcript. So however the high school uploads that information to us, whether it's through the Common App, through Naviance, through SCORE, through Parchment, there are a variety of different programs that high schools subscribe to. However they do it, it shows up. And there is a transcript and a profile typically with every application. Now, the profile tells us a lot of information about a school. It tells us about the curriculum that's available. At some high schools, there are only maybe a few AP courses available, and that would be listed on the profile. And there are some high schools that offer 20 or more AP courses. So it's important to understand that colleges review transcripts based on uh, the environment that the students are in. So they're certainly not going to hold it against a student if they've only taken a couple of AP courses, if only a couple were available. Uh, so the and not just AP courses, certainly IB courses, dual enrollment. Sometimes there are other special programs, like there's there are high schools that have special business curriculum where students get college credit. There are environmental programs where students also get college credit. So the profile really describes the curriculum available at the schools. Now, um, both Kate and I work for SUNY schools, State University of New York schools. And so we see 
transcripts from you know all over New York State, and it really varies. There are some very rural areas of New York State where they, they have just the basic regents curriculum, and then most schools on Long Island actually have a full buffet of tons of different options. Students on Long Island are really lucky to have such great uh, opportunities. But we certainly, if we're reviewing an application from a rural part of upstate New York, we're not going to take it against them if they don't have those opportunities. So that's a big piece of what the profile tells us. Um, Also, the profile will tell us about the competitive nature of the high school, what percentage of the students go on to college, how many of them go on to four-year schools, two-year schools, how many of them go into the workforce. Uh, It talks about the size of the school, the size of the graduation class, maybe a grade distribution. A lot of school districts have gotten away from uh, ranking students. And by seeing a bit of a grade distribution, it is quite helpful for us to kind of see where the student falls in the class. That's a really minor piece of our evaluation process, but it's still a data point that's helpful. Um, so the, especially if I'm not familiar with a high school, the profile is really very, very helpful. At this point, now that I've been with Geneseo for four years and I was with another institution prior where I also reviewed applications from Long Island, I kind of have a really good sense of what to expect from different high schools. But every now and then I get one that's a little unfamiliar. And so we really appreciate that high school profile. It's a very important document. Well, that's a great overview, Suzanne. Thank you so much. And a message to the students and their parents, if you are not familiar with your own high school's profile, It's very easy oftentimes to just check your school's website, and if all else fails, always go to the guidance department in your school and ask for a copy so that you're familiar with what, in fact, is on your individual high school's profile. So again, Suzanne, thank you so much for that. And Kate, the activities section of the Common App is an important component as it indicates the work the students have been involved with outside of the classroom. This, of course, can be clubs, hobbies, family responsibilities, part-time jobs, I know that the Common App allows up to 10 activities, but by no means do students need to list 10. And there are also limits in terms of how many characters they may use in their descriptions on the Common App. So how should students approach this section to provide the most comprehensive overview of the work they did outside of the classroom? Kate? Great. So as Suzanne mentioned earlier, you know, this is a there's a lot of information you have to provide. And I think this is one area where students get to it and they kind of do a cursory job. And that is not what you want to do. So this is going to take some time. You'd think it's easy to remember what you did. But by senior year, ninth grade was a long time ago. Uh, They're only looking for high school activities. Uh, The Common App does break it down into these sections for you for so arts or music clubs, community engagement. So it's, you know, it's easy because there's a drop down box to say what it is. They tell students to list in the order of importance to them. Uh, But sometimes this section is really sloppy. Sometimes it's (laughs) blank. And then you find out in a counselor letter that they're actually a really involved student. So that doesn't really hang together very well. So again, you're going to want to take some time uh, list them in the order probably of what you spend the most time or what you're most passionate about. You know, if you have a job that you go to for 20 hours a week, every week, that's probably more important than Relay for Life, which is one day. And that's an important thing and you may be passionate about it, but you'd put your job first. So you get 50 characters to just sort of describe um, whatever activity you're entering. 
And then there's a hundred characters for the organization name. When you think about it, um, luckily there's, you know, you don't want to speak in acronym speak, but there are some acronyms people know. YMCA, you don't have to write out Young Men's Christian Association, right? But you may find yourself <laughs> having to be, uh, to creatively contract uh, some names to get, because it will cut you off when you reach that character limit. Uh, and then in terms of describing the activity, you have 150 characters. That's characters, not words. So again, <laughs> you're going to take some time crafting your answers. You want this to be strong, just as you want your essay to be carefully proofread and, and polished. Uh, take some time. I think it's some of the things that we really find that students don't spend a, a ton of time on. Remember also that some schools will allow you, if 10 is not nearly enough for you, there are schools that will allow you to attach a resume or activity sheet, but some schools may not. So that's something that, you, again, you'd want those top 10 um, if you're not able to send anything additional uh, and you can attach if they allow. And I would say if you're listening to this and you're younger, start use, you know, use Naviance or Score or whatever your school uses or just on your own. Just list the things you do so that when you're trying to remember, you have it already in, in one place to so start working on that activity sheet. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. Well, that's a great overview and tremendous advice in terms of the activities section. I love how you talked about very simply taking your time. Students, parents, don't forget that with the Common App, you could log out, save your work, log out, and go back to it a day, a week, frankly, a month later, and the work is still there. So Kate, like you indicated, it's very important to take your time put the activities in the order of importance and make sure it's a comprehensive representation of the great things that you did outside of the classroom. So we appreciate that, Kate. So Kate, I'm going to ask you to answer the following questions, and then we're going to hear from Suzanne as well, because we're going to talk about the essay, which of course we touched upon a little earlier, but we're going to dig deeper into it right now. So the essay section is a very important component as it provides the student the opportunity to share their voice while giving insight into who they are. The Common App offers seven essay prompts and a separate supplemental essay to express extenuating circumstances. What should students be mindful of when completing the essay section of the Common App? Again, we're going to start with you, Kate, and then Suzanne. Yes, we could do a whole podcast on this or probably multiple. <laughs> uh, students need to realize why they're writing the essay right we we want it's it's a way to make this process that can seem impersonal personal we're interested in you as a person so you can highlight your achievements and share passions you you're going to read those prompts and see which one speaks to you uh, remember that sometimes there are supplemental essays a lot of highly selective schools what may have supplemental essays you don't want to dash that off the day before your application is due when you spend all this time crafting your perfect college essay 
And then even if, if a school doesn't have supplemental essays, as you mentioned, John, there is the main essay and there's seven prompts. Those always come out in the spring. So there's plenty of time uh, for you to, to read those, think about it, having them percolate and then, and then write one. But there is also a section called additional information. I think, Suzanne, you talked about this earlier too. And then this community disruption question that, that we sort of call the COVID question, because that's when it came out. I think they thought they wanted to give students a space for this, but maybe not have every single person write about COVID-19. You know, you start early. There's some, some cardinal rules with the, the essay. You need to answer the prompt. So if it's overcoming an obstacle and you're writing about chemistry, you the end is not that you drop chemistry. And that was a real essay. <laughs> Someone, <laughs> that's not, you know, you 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 want to show that you learned something. So answer the prompt, stay within the word count. The main essay is between 250 and 650 words, and you really need to be in, in somewhere in that in that count. Um this is where sometimes people use a lot of acronyms. Uh, so that's not something you want to do. I don't think it's the place to to be offensive or maybe <laughs> too, too political. We read about a lot of difficult topics. You can write about anything you want. Really, everything's a good essay topic, except for remember that some essays we see a lot. So if you're trying to stand out, writing about sports, it's a little bit harder to stand out because lots of people write about sports events. Lots of people write about their grandparents. So sometimes getting a little creative, your favorite children's book, something, something else, um, you know, so just have some fun with it. It just doesn't happen overnight. Jot down some ideas. If you don't use it for in one place, you might find yourself using it. And of course the Cardinal rule, we'll say it again and again, proofread, don't just spell check. Uh, <laughs> every year we collect our, our favorite funny, typos and and there are a lot of them so suzanne what did i miss uh well should i share my favorite typo and your favorite typo <laughs> i had a student mention well she meant to mention ruth bader ginsburg in an essay but she wrote in ruth gator ginsburg <laughs> oh, yeah that was that one we um had a little bit of a chuckle about but uh and again that's where proofread rather than spell check, uh, because there will be words that are words that are not the words that you intend. Um, so proofread, take time, format it nicely. When I'm reading, now I read roughly 1,700 or so applications a year, and I really pride myself on reading all of the application. So it's a lot. And then when I get to an essay that is one giant block of text rather than broken up into paragraphs, it's it's difficult. It hurts our eyes where we are. We're tired. We, we need things to be a little bit easier on us. So formatting is very important. Um, and just be mindful of of don't using don't use text speak. The letter I should be capitalized if you're referring to yourself in the first person, which you should be, because this essay is a reflective piece that is written, you're writing it about yourself. So referring to yourself is a very important part of it. Um, and again, as Kate said, the essay topic is not as important as as how you write it. So be sure to proofread, have one or two other people proofread it to make sure you haven't missed any glaring errors, but don't stress too much about it. We want to see that you have writing skills, that you are somewhat insightful, 
and you have a little bit of a story to tell. Please don't let this be a barrier in getting your applications in on time. Well, those are great pieces of advice. Proofread, have someone else proofread. And a theme that's been coming up in this episode is take your time. You're not going to be able to do this in one sitting. So take your time, save your work and come back to it over and over again. So we appreciate that. Suzanne, the Common App also includes a section where students sign a FERPA, which is the Family, Educational Rights and Privacy Act. Why is it important for students to sign this as part of the overall application? My understanding is that there are a few different um, reasons why this is in place. First things first, you are, when you sign it, when students sign it, they are giving their high schools permission to release their academic information to the colleges. So if you say no, then they can't submit your transcript and letters of recommendation. So you clearly want to say yes to that. Now, the other portion is waiving your rights to see your letters of recommendation. And we strongly encourage students to, yes, waive their rights to to have access to these letters. We know if a student has waived their rights or not, and if a student did not waive their rights to, to have access to these letters, then we might not know if the teachers felt influenced or the counselor felt felt influenced to be more positive than they might have been otherwise. So we might not know if the letters are 100% honest and truthful. So it is a good idea. Just we know you have to let go of the control and just trust that the people are writing letters for you and that are and they're saying good things about you or they're saying constructive things about you. It's really, really rare that a letter comes through that's not positive. So have faith in the process, waive your rights, and then let it go. Well, thank you so much for that overview and insight. We really appreciate that, Suzanne. Very interesting. And Kate, students who use the Common App can obviously apply to multiple schools using the platform. If a student applies, for example, to eight schools using the Common App, are the representatives at each school able to tell which other schools the students apply to? When I see an application, that's not one of the questions that we ask at SUNY Oswego. So pretty much the answer here is no. Uh, It doesn't, we're not, Common Application is not going to release to other schools the schools that you're applying to. But I will say that there are some schools, I know from when my own children applied, I've been through this three times with my own children, and uh, a lot of highly selective schools, they may ask what other schools are you applying to? So if if that's included and you answer, then yes, they're going to know, but they're only going to know if that question was asked and you answered it. And I bet they, they're not going to pick up the phone and, and check, but I have seen it on applications and I'm sure Suzanne has too. Yeah, I've actually had an experience where a student that I was assisting with his college application process a few years ago, quite a few years ago, uh, I've learned that there are colleges that may share their early decision lists uh, with with each other. Um, In fact, this one student I was working with, he had applied early decision to a school and was admitted for the spring semester. So it was, well, we don't really have room for you in the fall. We have room for you in the spring. So he was released from the binding nature of his early decision. But then he got a letter from a similar school or a school that's kind of like a competitor of that school saying, heard you got admitted early decision. 
So uh, your application has now been withdrawn. Wow. And a phone call had to be made and said, hey, no, 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 I wasn't admitted, early decision. So um, again, while the Common App may not share that information, schools within the same uh, basket uh, may may share that information. That is so interesting, Suzanne, because early decision is a binding contract. So uh, another cardinal rule, you can only apply early decision or ED1 to one school. You know, you can't yeah. at the same time because that's a binding contract. You can apply early action to as many schools as you want. You'll right. still have until May 1st to make your decision. Right. Well, that is so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that story and that insight. Really appreciate that. And Suzanne, when submitting to various schools through the Common App, is it important for students to update their essays for each, especially if the essay ends stating something along the lines, and this is why I want to attend ABC College? That is a method I really wouldn't recommend uh, because that mistake comes through every year. Every year I'll read an application <laughs> and the last line will say, and that's why I really want to go to Binghamton University. Uh, right. So it's really not recommended that you personalize each, personalize the essays to each school in the main common app essay. Is it possible to do it with very, very careful precision? Yes, because you can alter the Common App with each submission. When you submit the Common App, you are submitting it to one college at a time. You're not clicking submit and it doesn't go to all the schools at the same time. You are go like, just say you're applying to both Geneseo and Oswego. You can submit Geneseo's first, pay your application fee to Geneseo, send it off and then you can click on Oswego and you send it off. Now this, that trunk of the tree, that main section of the Common App, that can remain the same for each school. But since you are sending it one at a time, you can tweak it. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, there are colleges though that have supplemental essays, which you'll find in the college specific questions for each individual school that you're applying to. And those sometimes do have the, why are you applying to Boston University? Why are you applying to uh, you know, Brown University? And what's really important for those essays is that you students write something specific that's not going to be just found on the website. Maybe you visited, take notes during your visit, Jot down things that you see, things that you notice, and put those pieces of information in those essays. If you can take one school's name out of that essay and then pop another school's name in and it reads the same, then you are doing yourself a disservice. So try to make it as genuine as possible. Um, so that um, that's my advice when it comes to that kind of essay. Well, that's great advice. And this has been a tremendous overview on the different parts of the Common App and how to approach it. I really appreciate it, Suzanne and Kate. Thank you so much. So lastly, what other advice would you give students and their parents getting ready for the college application? And I know that both of you have a lot to say. So we'll start with Kate and then we'll go to Suzanne. 
Great. Well, one thing Susanna just mentioned, the the application fee, and I think we should also mention that this is something that sometimes confuses students, um, you know, that they need to. The common application is free. So yay, that that you don't, uh, the student, the applicant doesn't pay for. But then you may be paying to apply to a school, but you may also have a fee waiver. And that's something you'd talk to your school counselor about, and you can check out that box. And if you put the fee waiver, then it's not going to take the payment. But when you pay, it does bring you to a separate section. But in terms of advice, we've said it before, start early. Have some fun with the process. Explore. There are so many incredible virtual options now, especially since COVID-19. So without leaving home, you can do a lot of research, uh, take advantage of a summer vacation maybe. And if you see a sign for a college, maybe just take that exit and, and check it out, get a sense what's going to be the right fit for you, big, small, near, far. So, you know, start early so that you're informed. And again, we've said this before, it, this application does not have to be done in one sitting. You can create the account August 1st is when it becomes uh, available. Actually, you can create an account earlier, uh, but at the end of July, the Common App shuts down, they clean it out, and they start it up again for the new cycle. So no need to start it just yet. So August 1st, create your account, just start filling stuff out, be mindful of proper capitalization throughout the uh, application. It drives me crazy when I see an application <laughs> all in lowercase letters. So, but it does not have to be done all in one sitting. So start it, fill in the information. You can always go back, update it, change it, add more information. So there's nowhere, and you absolutely cannot accidentally submit the application. You have to jump through lots of different hoops to get an application submitted. So that's, that's that one. Kate? So we know they're going to proofread because we've said it yeah. a, a ton of times. One thing I think we didn't say about the essay and really anytime you're writing, be authentic. We want your authentic voice. You're 17 or 18. Don't overuse that thesaurus. Uh, we're pretty good at telling, you know, we want your words. So use your words and words that you would use uh, typically. And that makes sense. Read your essay aloud and just see how it flows. That's one thing. Absolutely. When a student has um, weaker grades in English and their essay is full of semicolons and $50 words, we know. <laughs> we know that was not the, the student's work. Um, so one thing I always tell students is when you think that application is complete and ready to send, when you think that essay is, is done and ready to you know, send off, Give it a little time, sleep on it, step away from it for, for a day or two, then come back and look at it with fresh eyes. I guarantee you, you will find an improvement that can be made. You will find a mistake that you missed over and over again because you, you never took that break. So going back to the starting early and it doesn't have to be done in one sitting, try to have give yourself enough time that you're not bumping up against the deadlines to step away, sleep on it, come back, um, and then also get a set of fresh eyes to look at it. When you think it's done, have a friend or a parent or guardian or a teacher or a school counselor, just give it one last look before you click submit. My, my last piece of advice is uh, we've said, keep, you know, keep an open mind and cast a wide nut, but trust your gut. 
This is a daunting process, but really you, the student, the applicant, you're an expert because you know you and you know what's a good fit for you. There really is a school out there for everyone. Uh, so try not to pay too much attention to rankings or this and that. And just if you can visit in, in person once, you know, before you commit to going somewhere for four years, if that's possible. And sometimes schools help make that possible, but really trust your gut. My final piece of advice is be mindful of those deadlines and check your email um, and your application portals. Because once you click submit for the Common App, you'll then get emails from the colleges you applied to to create an, a portal. Your relationship with the Common App at that point is pretty much done. And then you'll be communicating with the colleges directly. So check that email, create those portals, and Make sure that you don't miss anything by forgetting to check that email. Thank you so much. This has been tremendous. The overview, the insight on the Common App and so much more has been phenomenal. I can't thank you enough. And I am so happy because I know this is going to help so many students and their parents going through the college application process. If anyone wants to hear more from Suzanne Miller and Geneseo, Suzanne, of course, recorded episode six with me. And of course, Kate Anderson from Oswego, she recorded episode 15. So check them out. Suzanne, Kate, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your insight today. It's absolutely my pleasure. And mine too. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.